Today, young Isaiah, what a great biblical name, is going to be baptized and confirmed right after the homily and then receive his first communion. He's been part of the RCIA, the catechumenate program. And I can't think of a better day. Wow, the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ. And when I was in the seminary, this day was a really big day for us. We had this beautiful procession carrying the monstrance with the Blessed Sacrament through the halls, singing and it echoed. It was just a glorious feast, and we all loved it. We loved the, the pomp and ceremony. But over the years, um, I, there's been a change in my thinking and, 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 and the way that I, I guess I come to the Eucharist because, in a way, um, I, I guess I have seen how we make objects in the church. And the Eucharist is one of them. In the prayer I just read, it said, help us to revere the mysteries of the body and blood of Christ. It's basically, it's a huge mystery that we can never comprehend. How is it and why is it that Jesus Christ would say, I want to be bread that you eat. You're going to eat my body and drink my blood. And in these symbols of bread and wine, I will be there. So over the years, I, I Yes, I know I received the host, but I know the, the mystery I'm receiving is so much bigger. It has to do with everything Jesus ever said and preached and taught, his dying on the cross. I'm eating and drinking all of that, and it's just huge. I'm just reading a book by um, Gerald May, a, a psychiatrist or psychologist, I'm not sure which. And um, in, this, um, in this book, he, he uses this line... It's a chapter on the mystery of God and on the mercy of God. And this is what he says. God's love pervades us, flows through every molecule, vibrates every particle of our being. And I say, ah, yes, that's it. Jesus, the human person, walked on the earth for 33 years. He, he, he died, he rose, he ascended, he's with God, but... but Jesus, the human Jesus, walked on the earth, but the Christ, who, according to John's gospel, said he was the word in the beginning. He was the word, and, and he, 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 he is God. He was from God. He is God. He's the word that always was, and the word took on human flesh and was born among us. So the Christ of all ages came into the world in a human way through Jesus, died, rose, ascended, and and the Christ continues. Christ is filling every particle, every molecule, every atom in this building and in every one of us. And, and although we talk about coming to Christ and coming to the Eucharist and praying before Christ and opening and letting Christ in, the truth is Christ is always in. We, we can't get out of Christ. Christ can't get out of us because God is in every particle of, of creation. He has to be. It's, it's all sustained by God. But the mystery, and this is part of getting at it, is that we, we have a way of keeping God out. And it's usually through this thing, this knuckle thing on our head. We can, we can forget God or turn away from God or not listen to God or not think of God. I want to quote you from a song. Um, I like this song very much. It was written a few years before I was born. It's from uh, Cole Porter. I've got you under my skin. Now, I understand it's a song about love, but a, a, a forbidden love. But that's not what I'm going after. I'm going after the refrain, which is talking about this intense, intense love. And this is how Cole Porter sings it, or says it. I've got you, he, I guess it's a man referring to a woman, I'm, I'm assuming that. And he says, I've got you under my skin. 
I've got you deep in the heart of me. So deep in my heart, you're really a part of me. I've got you under my skin. What a line. I've got you under my skin. So deep in my heart, so deep in my heart, you're a part of me. That's Eucharist. That's Eucharist. And the reason we eat and drink is because Jesus was an enormously brilliant teacher. He understood that if, if, if we only think about things, it, we don't experience it perhaps as fully as we can. It would be like if this were a beautiful meal, and I came to the meal and I said, looking at it, wow, what a beautiful meal. And I'm thinking, oh, I bet that tastes good. It sure looks good, and I'd love that meal anyway. I am sure that is really good. Okay, and then I leave. Hello? I haven't experienced the meal yet. I saw it. I thought about it. I imagined it. I maybe smelled it, but that's not the same as eating it. And after I eat a great meal and I just go, mm, oh, God, that was good. And that's what Eucharist is meant to be, not just something that we look at or something that we think about or pray about, but something that we eat and drink. Somehow Jesus knew in his teaching, his spiritual teaching, if I can't get inside of you, under your skin, deep in the heart of you, will I just be a thought, a pretty thought? I don't want to be a pretty thought. I want to love you with all the intensity, love every molecule of your body and soul. And I want you to let me in. So I'm going to say this. Eat me. Drink me. Eat my body. Drink my blood. But when we're doing that, we're eating and drinking everything that Jesus is and was. Every word he spoke. Every teaching. I mentioned last night, um, because uh, I, 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 this gets my mind going all kinds of directions, and I was thinking about Holocaust survivors, you know, because we're in this great tension of the Black Lives Matter and people protesting and people risking their life on many levels, and some people think, oh, how stupid, how crazy, and others say, oh, my God, it's about time, and there's just so many reactions. So it made me think of the Holocaust survivors, and as I was reading uh, on the internet yesterday, uh, I, I knew there were well over a million. I didn't know it was over six million people the Nazis killed. Over six million. Oh, my God. And so I went into the browser and I said, give me a testimony of a survivor of the Holocaust. Um, but I wanted to look for people who had found forgiveness in their heart. So uh, I think it came up with 600 1,500 people. It could have been a whole bunch of repeat testimonies. But I got this one woman who, she found the Nazi that killed her family. I think that's correct. And she publicly went to forgive him. But what was her pathway from hating him for all these years, for all that he took from her, and coming to forgive him, not forget what he did, not to say it was okay because it wasn't, but to, to stop hating and forgive him. And in between where she came to this, it goes like this always for people who come to forgiveness when they've been deeply hurt by someone, abused or whatever. They say, I'm tired of hating. I'm not living fully because a whole piece of me is consumed by hatred every day. Every time I remember, I am filled with hate. 
So a person who goes from hating every day and forgiving, although they don't forget, in the middle they come to this place where they say, you know, I can't change what happened. It wasn't right. I'll do anything I can to prevent that it ever happens again, but I want to stop hating this person. I want God to forgive them and make them good, help them to become better. That's a whole different place. That's Eucharist. That's finding Christ. That's finding God alive. When we eat and drink the body and blood of Christ, it's not just to eat and drink this object, this thing that we say Jesus Christ somehow is present there. It's to let Christ in, to let his word in, to let that cross in. I mean, when we look at that cross, we get the most awful, terrible depiction of Jesus Christ. He, he was accused and condemned to death, and then he was stripped and beaten and spit on. They put thorns in his head like a crown to make fun of him. They made him carry the cross. They nailed him to the cross. They lifted him up on the cross to die. And as he's dying, they, they keep rejecting him and insulting him and laughing at him. And with all that hatred that's coming at him, what does he say? Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. Instead of hating, he chose to love. Instead of wanting revenge and to condemn them, he forgave them. Now that's freedom. That's freedom. If you could say to somebody who hates you and wants to kill you, I know you hate me, but I will not hate you. You better because I hate you. I will not hate you. Yeah, but I'm going to kill you. Do what you got to do, but I'm not going to hate you. Now I'm free. That's what Jesus wanted to give our spirit. I am convinced that any religion that has any authenticity will lead us to freedom, freedom in the spirit, to love, to love. Isaiah, this is who you come to walk into a relationship in a new way today. You've been in a family that loves God, loves Jesus, I know, and you've probably prayed every day, and I get it. But today, you take a step, and you say, Jesus, I want to be baptized in your name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to pour your Spirit all over me and into me, deep inside me. I want to be like Isaiah the prophet. Carry your word in me and announce your word to the world. And so today, you're saying, Jesus Christ, come and consume me, fill me. Make me a real child of God in your name. And this is an event that is extraordinary and quite amazing. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you'd step right out in the middle between the first two pews and the godparents on either side, 